Welcome to the Locked On Knicks podcast. I'm Gavin Shaw. He's Alex Wolf. If you're anything like us, you're a little bit bummed out that the New York Knicks don't have a first round pick in this year's draft. That's about to change. Three trades that get the Knicks into the first round, two into the top 10. We'll tell you what they are. It all starts now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Hey, what's up, guys? You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. And if you listen every day, well, I will make you an everydayer. And if you want to be an everydayer, um, all you have to do is subscribe on YouTube, hit that notifications bell so you never miss an episode. And remember to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform of choice. But who would you be shilling for at that point? I'm Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster and a longtime NBA reporter. He is Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the Strickland, the greatest Knicks website in the whole wide world. Um, Alex, the draft is typically our favorite time of year. And I feel like we're not we're not necessarily unique in that as Knicks fans, right? It's, it's a time of hope. Um, it's a time of dreams. Um, and, and now the team is good enough that our, some of our dreams have been fulfilled and we don't we don't have to daydream quite as much, but it's still fun to. And, and it's especially fun to think about how the team can get even better um, by snagging the next young star to enter the NBA. So to do that, we're going to go through three trades where the Knicks can get back into the first round of the NBA draft. I'll throw it to you because I know you have a good one for me. Yeah, spoiler alert. This will probably be a multi-part podcast too. <laughs> Maybe like three parts because the first, before we can talk too much about the draft choices, we have to talk about how the Knicks can even get back into the draft. Mm. I think I came up with a good a good option here though. Uh, and this one I think is a little interesting. So it's, it's sort of multi-layered in why it would be good for the team the Knicks would be trading with. Uh it's essentially the Knicks paying a tax to get the pick back from the Mavericks that they would have gotten had the Mavericks not landed in the top 10. Uh, so the Knicks trade Obi Toppin and extinguish the Mavs pick obligation for pick 10. So effectively it's trading the Mavs their own 2024 pick, which is protected out to 2025 uh, plus Obi Toppin to get back this year's pick number 10. Uh, so, obvious reasons why this is good for the Knicks is they get the 10th pick in the draft. It's a deep draft. Uh, you know, they can perhaps draft a, like, let's say that he gets there, Taylor Hendricks, who we're big fans of that maybe fits their play of a style of play a little better than Obi Toppin does going forward. As far as being a better spot up three point shooter, at least projecting to be one uh, having a little more rim protection experience. So, you know, that, that would help the Knicks greatly, but uh the other part is that it gives the Knicks more financial flexibility going forward. You know, they have to make this decision on Obi Toppin sooner than later if they want to extend him or uh, re-sign him as a restricted free agent at the end of the season. They put that on the Mavs to decide that. But also, Obi would probably fit really well with Luka Doncic, give him an outlet pass, uh, you know, demon down the court to pass it down to and, and get tons of transition dunks. Uh, so that that part would be great. As far as the Mavs are concerned, I mean, I like I just said, I think Obi would be 
a really great fit there and would really enjoy playing with Luca and Luca would enjoy playing with him. So that's one thing. But then the Mavs also clearly are trying to compete right now. They want to try to right the wrongs of this past season uh, and get themselves back into a place of contention with one of the, I don't know, three to five conservatively best players in the NBA on their team right now. Um, you know, they, they want to make sure that they can build something around Luka Doncic and keep him happy. So the best way to do that, get a productive player and extinguish that pick obligation. So that then they have all of their own picks open back up going forward to make a trade with this off season. Hopefully for them, that's enough to woo Kyrie Irving back as well, you know, make some other trade for a, a somewhat big name and then, you know, kind of reload their team and get ready to go. So I think the Mavs would maybe be into this sort of deal. Yeah, I think it I think it makes sense for them, especially um, given the Kyrie trade was essentially just doubling down on we're going to have the best offense in NBA history. And it doesn't even matter how we defend. Um, as we know, Obi Toppin, I think he would be he would be game for that. Uh, certainly not a terrible defender. But I mean, you could imagine him just getting to run pick and rolls with Kyrie and Luca and, and similar to a pitch for trading him to Indiana where they have Miles Turner there in a stretch five. We've always said Obi would be completely unlocked as a player getting to play with a stretch five, um, he gets to play with Christian Wood there. Um, now, that would literally be the worst defense in NBA history. Every game they played would be like 138 to 137. But, you know, if that's the direction they want to go, that's just fine. And maybe they could even swing a trade for DeAndre Ayton with all their new picks, have a little bit of defense injected into there and, and, and maybe make another run at a Western Conference Finals. And, and from a Knicks perspective, I do like it. I, I, I guess the question you're asking essentially is, would you rather have um, pick 10 – um, or would you rather have Obi slash a pick in the 20s this year? Because I, I think that's what you can reasonably get for Obi Toppin. We can talk about it a little later. Maybe you'll talk about it with our guy, Tony East. You could maybe have two picks in the 20s if you pull off the right trade with the Indiana Pacers, um, plus a first-round pick a year from now. I think there's a case to be made um, just because this year's draft is so much deeper that it's totally worth it to go get pick 10. I'm just going to throw back at you my one concern. I don't know if the Knicks get a power forward at that spot. I, I'm looking at the Tankathon draft rankings right now and they have as far as guys who could nominally play power forward for you they have jerace walker um at six cam whitmore would be a really small ball four he's more of a three um and they have taylor hendricks at eight so do those guys make it to 10 and if those guys don't make it to 10 what's your backup plan assuming the mavs say all right we'll do this deal with you but it can't be a draft night thing. We got to agree to it ahead of time. We need to lock it in. And the Knicks are in the position of like, all right, we can gamble here that our guy's going to get to 10 or we could get to 10 and maybe even throw in extra picks and try to trade up a little bit more. But if that doesn't happen, are, are you okay just sticking at 10 and taking someone who maybe isn't a power forward? Yeah, I think I would be because no matter what, Julius Randle still exists. And yeah. so no matter what, there's, you know, whoever you would draft, even if you do get a power forward there, would only get like, 15 minutes a game you know it's sort of the same situation we run into with Obi Toppin so if that's the case then that's fine you know you could still draft hopefully like a Jordan Hawkins type or someone like that there you know that's like it fills another need you know there, there should be plenty of shooters like maybe a Grady Dick makes it there maybe um you know Jordan Hawkins or um you know any one of the number of of guys that we've talked about in the times that we have talked about the draft recently you know, makes it there and gives you just more shooting firepower uh, off off the bench, presumably, and and you know gets yourself a very Nixie type of player that you know is a, a veteran college player that can shoot and defend and whatever else. As we've seen 
throughout the playoffs for, you know, as we saw all the way up through the finals, like you can never have too many of those guys because as the season goes on, guys are going to get injured. Guys are going to get worn down. You're going to, you know, there are going to be rotation changes and you're going to need to have as many of those guys as humanly possible. Um, so I, I think that that would just kind of be my rationale. No matter what, too, I, I think at this point it would be foolish. I mean, this sucks because I like the guy as a player and just as a person, he's such a fun person to have on the team. But I think at this point, unless the Knicks have a better plan going forward for Obi, it's better to get rid of him than to pay him at this point because I just don't think that they – I don't think that they're going to be able to, like, come to a – extension with him because he's of course and his agent should be like no we're gonna bet on him this year and hit restricted free agency let someone else pay us rather than you guys because you're you're suppressing his value by not having him play as much um and so you know if you can't lock down that extension and then you let him hit restricted free agency next year then are you gonna match some bloated offer from some other team to pay him like you know 15 million dollars or something potentially to come off the bench and back up julius randall for 14 minutes a game I just don't really see it. So uh, I, I think no matter what, even if you don't draft a direct replacement for him, I think it's better to sort of just replace just from a pure like business perspective, replace Obi's salary slot yeah. on the chart with a cost control guy for another four years rather than keep him. Yeah. And I think even, even more than just, I mean, well, certainly a salary slot, but also just having a high upside piece. And I mm. think that is to me, like, like there, it, it's really crucial from a cap perspective that you, mm -hmm. you make a pick at least every other year. But it's also really crucial from a talent perspective, right? Because if you're the Knicks, you're in a really good position right now, but you also need to keep taking swings. And of course, everyone wants that swing to be on a surefire star, right? Because it's, it's not really a swing, right? You're, you're, just, you're, you're playing, you're, you're hitting off a tee, essentially. But you also want a little upside on your roster and say, all right, this, this is a mystery box. It could could be something better than Obi Top. It could be some of the really high ceiling. And I, I think Grady, Grady Dick's the name you threw out. That, that, that is the guy that I was looking at as well. Um, just because the Knicks don't really have a body type like that on the roster. Like someone who's over six foot seven with a super long wingspan, known as a shooter, but is also a really, really plus athlete. Um, I've talked about in this pod before. Like I got to uh, broadcast one of his games in high school at Sunrise Christian, and he had he had a terrible shooting game. He'd like they like they were the number one team in the country, and they almost got upset. But he was getting dunk after dunk after dunk in that game because he was big, he was long, super strong around the basket. Um, it could really leverage the fact that he has to be covered twenty five feet and in. Um, so I, I think he would be an excellent option for the Knicks. Um, Alex, I wanna I wanna up the ante a little bit. I wanna propose to you a way the New York Knicks can get into the top five. Um, but first, do you want to tell us about Prize Picks? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it, our buddies at Prize Picks have a great game that, if you're into daily fantasy, you should be checking out because it's different from anything that you've played before. Uh, it, basically, if you've played daily fantasy in the past, you've probably run into those those games where you have to build a roster using these like arbitrary numbers that they throw at you like oh this guy's worth two million dollars and this guy's worth like five million dollars and you have 20 million dollars to build a team and like you know score the most points possible the only problem being that there's unlimited entries available in these contests and then like a couple people buy like half the entries and then you're just kind of stuck there with your one little entry that you didn't have a spreadsheet to tell you how to play and all this other stuff and you just effectively flush a few bucks down the toilet unless you get 
phenomenally lucky. It starts to feel more like playing the lottery than playing a, a fantasy game uh, with a little bit of fun money on the line. That's where prize picks come in. It's totally different. Uh, it's just you versus projections available. And basically the way it works, you pick two to six players and say if they're going to hit above or below their projection. We just exited basketball season, so can't can't do that anymore. But you can definitely do like baseball now throughout the baseball season. Uh, you could do the WNBA. You could do like any other sport that happens to be going on. Build your ticket with any sport, any player, and just pick against their prize picks lines that prize pick sets. So let's say that it was like, uh, I don't want to pick a Met right now, but okay, fine. Francisco Lindor over or under 1.5 hits in a game. You could say under, definitely smash the under right now. Uh, and pick that along with a bunch of other players and a bunch of other lines, and you could potentially win up to 25 times your money on any entry. You're not competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available, and they offer projections on all the sports you watch, including the NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, Euro basketball, cricket, and more, and you can enter in 60 seconds or less. It really is that easy, and they offer safe and fast withdrawals. So download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. So don't forget to enter promo code Locked On at sign up for instant deposit match up to $100. All right, Gavin, we're back in to keep talking mock trades to get the Knicks back into the draft. I pitched you on the first one, so now it's your turn. Pitch me. How can the Knicks get in the top five in this draft? All right. Uh, I think the Houston Rockets are a prime candidate to trade out of the fourth pick. They miss out on not not that this is a, a three-person draft by any means. The beauty of this draft is there's a decent chance you're getting an all-star at pick seven or eight, but Houston is already so young so dependent on their young talent. Allegedly, they want to bring in James Harden this offseason. They bring in Ime Odoka, um, uh, everything else about him aside, a uh, Eastern Conference champion caliber coach in his first year. This is a team that is, is screaming that they don't want to be in the cellar any longer. You draft a rookie, you, you just kind of extend that timeline of sucking um, a couple more years. Instead, they could bring in, uh, I will say, um, one of the players that best contributes to winning in the sport of basketball, and it pains me to say his name, but I will say it. Um, I highlighted all the reasons why in our last episode, so you can check that out if you missed it. Um, but that is, of course, Alex Emmanuel Quickly. Um, so the Knicks trade Emmanuel Quickly, their 2024, this is in a world obviously where they keep it, their 2024 Dallas first round pick and their protected Wizards first round pick for the fourth pick in the draft. Um, for the Rockets, they get a point guard, um, which I'm, I'm sorry to. Kevin Porter Jr., he is an exceptional shooter, an exceptional scorer of the basketball. He is not a point guard. Um, they get one of the most impactful defenders in the NBA. I believe it was Emmanuel Quickly who led the entire league in, in shooting percentage allowed as the closest defender. We know he is an absolutely elite team defender. Um, even in the playoffs when he's struggling offensively, turned the Knicks defense around by about 10 points per 100 possessions. Um, he would transform the Rockets, I think, on that end of the floor or, or at least provide a big boost. Um, and it's still a 20-plus point-per-game score, which is what you're looking for in this fourth pick anyways. So, Alex, I, I, I think you could, and maybe you will argue, that the Knicks um, 
maybe even are giving up too much here with how good Emmanuel quickly is at this point. But the case for the Knicks is that you maybe don't want to pay Emmanuel quickly down the road, given that he's not going to be the starting point guard of this team with Jalen Brunson. You like the fit with Quentin Grimes next to Brunson a little bit better. You earn a tiny bit of financial flexibility. Um, and, and it's kind of down to exactly how the new salary cap pairs out, which I cannot say I'm an expert on, but I would think you would earn a little bit of flexibility down the road. And you get to take a swing on a higher upside option, whether that's the power forward of your dreams and a Taylor Hendricks or Jarius Walker. Or personally, I think I would go for one of the Thompson twins, try and get the star wing that the Knicks have struggled to find for, uh, I don't know, I guess since Carmelo Anthony um, and have a ceiling that is different than what you have with Emmanuel quickly on this roster. But I, I don't know. How do you feel about that one? Yeah, I you know, it's funny because you're like, uh, is it overpaying? And like from a Knicks fan perspective, I would say it seems almost maybe like an overpay or at least like just right. You know, I think we can reasonably say the Dallas first will probably convey next year, like somewhere in the teens or like late teens. If things work out the way Dallas wants, it'll convey in the 20s um, if they really rebound. And then that Wizards first is still pretty well protected going forward, like. I think I probably won't convey for at least another couple of years. I think it was like top 18 protected for a year or two and then lottery protected. I think by the end of things, it's protected for like five years. So by the end, it's protected like top. Yeah, eight it's, or something it's, top like that. it's top 12 protected next season. Yeah. So maybe they, you know, manage to turn the ship around a little bit or maybe that doesn't convey next year either. And it's something that the Rockets can kind of just keep. Uh, maybe it's something that, you know, if they're trying to get good right away that they trade immediately, uh, you know, as soon as this offseason, the second that a player is available uh, and, you know, try to package it with whatever other picks they have, you know, from the from the Harden deal and, and all that stuff to try to, you know, rebuild that team. Uh, I will say, even if they get James Harden, I think that Emmanuel quickly would be a great fit. I mean, that's kind of the great thing about quickly, which we saw with when he played with like Brunson this year is that he kind of fits with everybody. Uh, so, you know, even if you have Harden running the offense and sort of being like the alpha of that team a lot of the time, quickly would still get, you know, if he's getting starters minutes, like he's still going to get tons of opportunities. He would be setting the table for Harden sometimes. Harden would be setting the table for him. I, I think they would be a great combo together, to be honest. Uh, you know, not dissimilar to like Tyrese Maxey being, you know, a, a similarly, you know, pretty good fit in Philly with with Harden. Um so you know, I, I think I would, I would definitely consider it. It would it would be painful, you know, a little bit, but I I definitely see the appeal of the Thompson twins. Um, I believe it's Amon Thompson who's the one that's considered to be slightly more polished at this stage of his career. They're both just ridiculous athletes. Um, you know, you see their highlights on on YouTube and whatever and Twitter, and it's just like athleticism that you've probably never seen out of a draft prospect before the, the quickness that they have, the, the ability to just get as high as they do, uh, you know, while jumping is just kind of insane. Um, so it's, it's definitely an intriguing proposition to bring one of them on. It's probably a case where you would bring that guy on and bring him along pretty slowly, even though he's a top four pick, try to develop that jump shot, which is an issue for both the Thompsons, but, you know, sort of, work with them on their natural skills and then develop the finer skills, get them some minutes this year, but, you know, really be primed for like second, third year. Like these guys potentially stepping into the spotlight as a potential, like all-star type player. Um, very similar to sort of, I, I would 
almost put it, I mean, if things would work out exactly perfectly, you you would do it almost like Giannis Antetokounmpo style, where it's sort of like you understand they have this this big amount of uh, potential, but you you do the right thing and bring them along slowly, even if, you know, you're not necessarily throwing them into the fire right away, a la like Kevin Knox or something. Um, so, yeah, I, I would be down with that idea. You know, again, as painful as it would be, I think the the star upside is, is too tempting and Houston, if they already have like, I'm let's not, let's not pretend that teams don't talk to players before free agency. If they already have a soft idea that James Harden is going to come to their team and you know, they, they more or less have a commitment from him already by the time the draft rolls around, then I could see them doing this just to be like, you know what, James Harden, even if he's just coming here because he enjoys the lifestyle in Houston, he's not going to want to come here and lose. So let's let's try to get a winning player here, you know, and and get things going. And they also put the ball in their own court to extend Emmanuel quickly and perhaps get him on a a nice costing uh, extension, which I think they would be down for too. So I'm I'm down for this idea. I like it. Yeah, I think I think the restricted rights are are key with IQ that that they they can guarantee that they wouldn't lose him for nothing, especially if he has a really big breakout year, which I. I could see. I mean, we, we know what he did this year. He's like 21, five and five as a full-time starter. I, I could certainly see him putting up those numbers and used as far as the Thompson twins. I think you, you could uh, like Amin, I think is like slightly higher upside because he's by a, to a moderate extent, the better at like Oscar is like a 97th percentile athlete while Amin's like a hundredth percentile athlete, like one, one of the best athletes to ever come into the NBA. Oscar's a little bit better of a shooter at this point. So that could be appealing for the Knicks. The beauty is you, you you get a guaranteed choice at either one, which which maybe for the Knicks would be painful. They're like, oh, I'd, I'd almost rather someone picked ahead of us. You could also go for a Cam Whitmore, who who is also a freak of nature and a little bit bigger, a little bit more physical at 235 pounds. Uh, you could talk yourself into Jerace Walker or Taylor Hendricks. And if you know that you want to trade off Julius Randle in a separate deal, there, there would be plenty, plenty of options for the Knicks. But again, I think I think the star wing is probably the way to go there. And the beauty of those two guys is they're both, again, like you could question the level of competition, but they're really talented passers. They both averaged eight assists per game last year. So to me, that's what is maybe the most intriguing. Like you're not just getting like a monster athlete in your, in your future. If everything goes right, you're, you're Paul George type of wing guy. You're getting guys who are really unselfish, really good instincts, moving the basketball along. And I think the Knicks offense, like if it didn't become super duper clear in the playoffs, they could use as many of those guys as humanly possible. And as we just watched with the Denver Nuggets, the best passing team in the NBA, it, it is it really pays dividends against a defense like the Miami Heat to have a bunch of dudes who can not only get their own, but are willing movers of the basketball. All right, we'll step aside one final time and let's get into, um, wow, a, a rare uh, cross river trade with the Brooklyn Nets that next unlocked on, on Knicks. All right, Alex, oh, this is going to I'm going to throw up in my mouth a little. We're, 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 we're trading. We're trading with Sean Marks and the Brooklyn Nets. Um I'll I'll immediately say why this might not happen um, beyond the obvious that the Knicks and Nets, um, aside from the very famous uh, Stefan Marbury for Jason Kidd deal at this point, wow, 20 years ago at this point, that's insane. Um, outside of that, um, these teams do not have a history of uh, making a lot of transactions. I'm actually not even sure if they've made a single trade since then. You could uh, correct me if I'm, if I'm misremembering one. Um, but the Nets, like there's a case that they would want to bring in two rookies just because they're in such a weird place and, and kind of like what I was arguing in the first segment about the Knicks, like they, they have all the reason in the world to be like, all right, even, even if it's two picks in the twenties, like we're just going to take as many upside swings as we possibly can. And we don't even care if we don't have the time or the depth 
or, or too much depth to play both of these guys right away. We, we just want to go for ceiling and they might want to do that. And, and, and then if that's the case, this trade isn't going to happen. But the argument for it is that they could get a better pick down the road. So my proposal is the Knicks trade, the um, lottery protected, um, or is it just top 10 protected uh, Dallas yeah. average pick yeah. a year from now um, for the Nets 22nd pick in this draft is the Nets have picks 21 and 22. Um, so the Nets could talk themselves into having a higher upside option down the road. And the beauty of being able to like give each rookie like a specific amount of attention in terms of the role they have on the roster versus one maybe getting lost in the shuffle. I don't know. You could tell me that's a BS concern. I, I think it might be. Um, and the Knicks get to take a swing on someone in the early 20s where they've obviously excelled uh, the last few years. Yeah, I, I mean, first off, I'll just say I would I would insist on their higher pick just as the tax for <laughs> even if it's only one pick higher, I'd be like, no, I want the 21st hard line. I will not take your lower pick. Um, mostly because I think that there's a decent chance that the Mavs pick is like top 20 next year, yeah. like, you know, number 18, number 17, something like that. I, I just don't see this this magic scenario where they where the Mavs end up like just somehow becoming a a top like four or five seed again um considering how bad they were this year and literally missing the playoffs uh so i i guess that would be my only thing but otherwise i i'm in support of it you know i think there's something to be said for it, it you know unless the knicks have a big deal like somewhat on their mind for this coming year or this coming off season i should say like you've got all of these protected picks going forward and, you know, maybe it's worth still just holding on to them, you know, for a deal to come along, you know, during the season or something, or maybe, you know, if you held on to that Mavs pick, which will likely convey this next year, finally, you know, maybe it's like you, you hold on to that so you can make your future Josh Hart trade, you know, like the, the type of deal you made this year for Hart at the deadline, maybe that's the trade chip you want to hold for that. But you know, we've been talking this whole time about like one, this is a deep draft, and two, this is it, it's prudent for the Knicks to add more rookie scale contracts to their books, and because those are like the ultimate, the ultimate trade chips. If you hit on your draft pick, those are the ultimate, um, you know, team building pieces now. Because you know, as we've been talking about all offseason, guys are going to keep getting paid more and more now because the salary cap is going up. So like mm -hmm. the Emmanuel Quickleys of the world and. And even Obi Toppin and, you know, Quentin Grimes, when he comes to, you know, even if they're just like really good role players on your team, they're going to make decent money. Josh Hart, for example, you know, we've been talking about maybe like 18 to $20 million. Like these contracts start to add up after a while. The luxury tax is about to become more punitive. So like adding more rookie deals that can contribute on your on your books is really, really good from just a cap perspective. Uh, you know, there's there's plenty of guys, too, that project to potentially be available in that range perhaps you can get like a Bryce Sensabaugh who's a guy that we're we're big fans of perhaps you can get like a Leonard Miller who's really intriguing like high upside play there uh Chris Murray who's like maybe not the highest upside play but could potentially be a nice like plug and play yeah. shooter for the Knicks right away you know and and guy that would fit their general draft philosophy of like an older player that can come in and contribute pretty much right away so there's like, or there's, you know, plenty of guys that you can, you could sort of throw a dart on and say, you know what, I think this is, this is a good guy to look at here. We have yet to see a Perrin pick like this with the Knicks yet, but I mean, Walt Perrin does have some pretty good, uh, 
dart throws on his resume as far as Donovan Mitchell, who was picked like I think higher than a lot of people thought that he would go when he went to the Jazz, and Rudy Gobert, who people were very unsure of because he was too thin and all this other stuff. Like yeah. we have yet to see a pick like that from Walt Perrin with the Knicks yet, I think. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But if the Knicks can get in that 20-ish pick range, I think they should probably go for it, even if it means giving up one of those protected picks. Because I think in this case, a, a bird in the hand is maybe worth more than one in the bush. I don't know how that saying usually goes, which one is more valuable or whatever. But I think in this case, the bird in the hand might be worth a little more. Uh, to the Knicks both this coming year and going forward to have another rookie scale contract on the books. Yeah, I think I think two guys, if, if we were talking dart throws um, that I would look at were Dariq Whitehead and Bilal uh, Kolobali, um, who, who plays for Mets 92 with uh, with Victor Wembanyama. And, 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 and Wemby's been making a case that he should be a top five pick, but I know he's a guy people are really rising on. And for a nine or a near 19 year old playing international basketball, putting him at 18 points, six and a half rebounds, a couple of assists. I uh, really stands out a block and two and a half steals per game. Like those are always really good indicators defensively. Whitehead, someone people projected is like maybe even sneaking into the top five. I think, I think at points in this past cycle, he was the, um, he was right there with Nick Smith out of Arkansas for the number one rated recruit in the entire country. And he shot very well for Duke, despite playing through, I believe it was a foot injury that eventually required surgery. Um, he's someone, if he was there, I would love for the Knicks to take a shot at as like, like even if it's a, let's just say it's a 20% scenario. Like he hits the ceiling and, and it, or, or not even a ceiling, but becomes like a near um, all-star type player. Like that is a great, great, great gamble for the New York Knicks um, with a pick that they otherwise wouldn't have had this year. So I'm with you. I'm, I'm all about the Knicks finding a way to get a pick and, 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 grabbing someone with upside and then trusting their developmental program. I mean, we've seen Deuce McBride essentially take a redshirt year's first season, then come out and be really good this season. We saw Emmanuel quickly, like definitely not a redshirt season, but he developed like rapidly and, and, and at least initially mostly behind the scenes for the New York, New York Knicks. This is a team and a front office with an excellent track record of doing just that draft someone with some talent, take a little bit longer than you normally do where they have ready-made college products and, and, and see if it can pay dividends down the road. I, I think that's the way to go. Um, but Alex, unless you have anything else, I think that is a good note to wrap up on. Um, this is it for uh, this edition of Locked on Knicks. Uh, but Alex should be back uh, later uh, with a podcast specifically on a trade uh, with the Indiana Pacers, uh, maybe involving Obi Toppin. I, I know you all know that's a rumor out there. And we'll, uh, we'll have another special guest in Howard Beck later this week. And finally, um, maybe some more pods on the draft. Um, but until next time, he's Alex. I'm Gavin. We'll talk to you soon on Locked on Knicks.